everyone. Welcome back to the Meal Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon from GetMealPlans.com. Today's episode is about disordered eating and eating disorders in general. I'm so happy that my co-pilot today has agreed to come on and talk. And um, it's funny because she emailed me and said when I was asking for members to be co-pilots, she completely discounted herself. And then she said something in the forums that ended up helping people and it inspired her to come on. And I'm really glad she is because it's just something I think we all need to talk about openly and honestly because we all struggle and I I want everyone to know you're not struggling alone and so I hope you get that out of today's podcast. But before I go on any further, let me please welcome Jill. Hey, Jill. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the Meal Mentor podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So maybe before we begin, you can tell us a little bit about yourself and your plant-based journey and then maybe after that we can talk about sort of your history with emotional and disordered and eating disorders and all that. Sure. Um, I actually, I think it was a couple years after I had finished an eating disorder recovery treatment program. Um, and I was still eating a, like a meal plan that was designed by my nutritionist at the program. And that's, <laughs> I was so rigid that I just kind of stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty like standard, like, you know, food pyramid government. <laughs> right, right. Eating. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I kind of, I think I wanted, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to eat like more vegetables. And it seems like these, these plans are like really not emphasizing vegetables. And so I just kind of started exploring and Googling and I kind of stumbled upon some vegan recipes and some vegan people. And it was really exciting because it just seemed really happy. And yeah. it seemed like, you know, people who were talking about vegan eating weren't talking about just how to get nutrients and things like that. They were talking about really loving the food that they were eating and being excited to share it. And I think I was at a place where that just was really intriguing to me and I hadn't totally had that before. So as I, I kind of experimented with those recipes, I added more and more and then at some point, um, it was just easier to tell people, oh, yeah, I'm vegan rather than say, like, well, you know, I had a little half and half in my coffee, but I've gotten mm-hmm. this, you know, and all that kind of thing. And then I, I'm trying to think when I joined the Neil Mentor, the annual, like, you know, subscription thing, and I feel like it wasn't that long ago, but I had seen your recipes earlier on, and so... And like used them like off of your website here and there. So I kind of, you know, had it in the back of my head that Happy Herbivore was a thing. And and like as, just as I began reading more and more, it made sense to look into decreasing oil and eat more whole foods and, and things like that. And, and now here I am today. <laughs> awesome. And you actually, you run a program for teenagers, right? That have emotional disabilities. Yes, I do. Was your own struggle with like disordered eating, like did that lead you to that? You know, probably indirectly. Um, I When I first started working, I worked with really little kids who had autism. And I okay. worked in a, a behavioral program for that specifically. As that grew and I was like starting to take classes, I became more interested in working with older kids and working with the emotional piece. And I definitely think that, you know, a lot of those kids, the stuff that they're going through, I'm like, yep, I get it. Like, yep. Oh, that anxiety. I I get it. I've been there, you know? And so I definitely think it it has something to do with why I'm there for sure. And, you know, 
people think of emotional eating, or at least maybe this is just me. When I hear that, my intuition is like, oh, someone got dumped, so they're going to go eat a like chocolate ice cream, like drown their sorrows. But that's not always true. Like emotional eating happens in all kinds of situations, not just sadness. Oh, yeah, sure. And um, yeah, and that was one thing that I'm, I'm really grateful that I learned throughout my recovery is that it's okay to enjoy eating and that sometimes eating something because it's a special occasion is okay. And, mm-hmm. and doing that doesn't derail everything um, or make it or, or make you bad. It's just, you know, it can be, it can be a way to be social. Sometimes we can take that too far. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, definitely. And I know for myself, allowing myself something like, you know, if my grandmother makes a special cake like once a year and I have a piece that it, if I want it at that time, it's a positive thing for me to enjoy that with her. And that is definitely emotional eating. It has a lot of significance to me. I also, I think it's interesting. I I see a lot of kids who don't necessarily have adequate food at home. And so their emotional eating is, is literally for like, I think, a physiological comfort and Mm. feeling like, oh, I have enough, like some, I've known kids who like hoard food and things like that. So definitely there's a huge spectrum. And you see that a lot often with children who've been, um, without food, like you said, or even in foster situations, because they don't always know if they're going to get a lot of food. And so they'll start hoarding it and they're doing it to protect themselves. Yeah, right. It's like a survival mechanism. Right. And I feel that way too. Like I, I mean, I've been plant-based for almost 10 years now and I still will be like, what if I can't find food? Which is ridiculous because (laughs) I've been all over the world and never found food, but I'll even hoard food. Like when I go on vacation, I take way more than I need because I'm like afraid, even though I, I have plenty of data, plenty of experience to tell me I don't need to be afraid, but I do. And it's obviously an emotional component from somewhere. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I just went for away for one night with my friend of mine. We, I'm in Massachusetts. We drove to New York. It's like a three-hour drive, and we were staying with her family. I mean, it's not like we were going to be somewhere where we couldn't have access to food. Yeah, you know, there, there <laughs> and, are grocery stores in New York, by the way. Right, right. <laughs> but we stopped at a grocery store, and we were like, joking about how much food we bought. We were like hummus and we have these apples and let's get these tortilla chips. And we had so much stuff. And we were like, there's no way that we're, you know, <laughs> this, like, why would we feel that we need this much food? But yeah, it's like, it's, you can't help it. Yeah. Or if, you know, if you live in a, if you live in New England, everybody knows like before a snowstorm comes <laughs> to grocery stores. Are right. Bad. Like, yes. <laughs> it's so true. And you always buy way more than you would ever need to get through with the snowstorm. Yeah, for sure. It's so funny. <laughs> but I do that all the time. I I mean, I just went to this conference and it was in Colorado and I saw the food that the conference organi- organizer bought just like in terms of like snacks and stuff to have around mm-hmm. for all of the attendees. And I was like, if we ate every single meal out of these snacks, it would take three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how everyone is. You just, you're like, oh my God, I have to have enough. What if yeah. there's not enough? I'm so afraid. Yeah. And I know like, you know, before uh, like a holiday gathering, like the host is mm-hmm. always like, oh, we've got to have enough food. And it is so funny. And it's definitely, I found that it's at this point, it can be more stressful for me to have like 
too much food for me to stock up. Oh, me too. And yeah, and I, I do much better when I, you know, I kind of like pick what from the meal plan um, for the most part. I pick from the meal plan what I'm going to make and I get that stuff. And I usually only do a few days at a time now. And that's what I have in the house. And, and I feel good about that. And I'm like, okay, like, and then if I have, you know, something left over, I kind of can go, okay, well, I have this potato and I have these frozen veggies. So like that will be a lunch. And it's just so much more um, like peaceful in my head without having to think like, okay, well now I have this and this is going bad. And now this Mm -hmm. is going to, you know, I have to use that. Um, It adds a whole other layer (laughs) to trying to like be, be good about waste, but not wanting to overeat just because you have something. I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel that way all the time. Like I used to try to stock up when there were sales and stuff to save money, but I realized Mm -hmm. that having all that food around, it made me have like anxiety and I felt this pressure. Like I had to eat it. Like I had to consume it and I'm already an overeater. I don't need any more pressure of like on myself (laughs) to eat. And so I was like, okay, I can't do this. Like I, I totally get that it works for a lot of people and that's so amazing and I'm so happy for them. But if I have it around, I feel like this intense pressure, like it has to be consumed. I have to eat it. I have to get to zero. And um, like the clean your plate club happens with my pantry. (laughs) And so (laughs) I'm like you by the end of the week, it's naked. There's nothing in my fridge except maybe condiments. And even my pantry is super bare. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, well, if I spend just a tiny bit more because I'm not maxing out on the sale, that's better than me like overeating at home, which I'm going to do because if it's sitting there, I'm going to be like, I have to eat it. I have to eat it. It's sitting there. It's going to go bad. Yeah, I know you have. It's true. You have to start asking yourself like, what is the emotion or not the emotional, the financial cost versus the like emotional or I guess weight loss costs, you know, what am I willing to, to part with? (laughs) Right. And one thing kind of going back to something you said, um, with food being emotional is you, you were saying about, Oh, it's bad. And then I'm bad because I ate it. And assigning morality with food is definitely something that I know I still struggle with. And I try to always bring this up with the members. Like I don't say something's good or bad, but maybe better because if, if if you say this is bad 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 and then you end up eating it then you're telling yourself you're you're a bad person and you're not right yeah you know and when I first went vegan not like fully plant-based but I definitely liked the ethical aspect of it mm-hmm. and that was really tricky for me to navigate at first because I thought oh, okay like well I just spent all this time learning that you know, I'm not bad if I eat a certain food, but then I am kind of saying it is bad to eat meat because it's hurting an animal. So how do I reconcile that? And um, it was really difficult. And I, I guess like I still struggle with it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I don't have any concrete answers, but I did kind of start thinking about it as in, okay, I know wonderful people who eat meat and I don't think they're bad people. Right. And so maybe I also need to give myself a little bit of a break when I like, you know, eat something with dairy in it um, once in a while or, you know, don't eat perfectly according to plan. And you have to, I mean, life isn't, isn't perfect. It's never going to fit perfectly in a box. You have to have this sliding scale to be able to roll with it because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It is really hard. And I, oh my gosh, the progress 
not perfection has like seriously spilled into my life in like every aspect. I love that phrase. And I tell it to my students all the time too. Mm -hmm. And the, and it's just so calming to be like, okay, like, you know, yeah, maybe this wasn't my best day, but it was better than another day that I had. And, you know, and then, and I can keep moving forward and it doesn't mean that everything is ruined. I love that phrase so much. I know. I always say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I need to find a better phrase, but it's so true. Like, even if something <laughs> does happen, you just, it's, don't give in to the ah, oh, screw it moment. I have to tell yeah. myself that all the time. Like, just stop, stop digging the hole. Just don't, don't go any further in. Like, walk back out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah, gets better think- in that dark tunnel. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's so true. You're not going to find the answers there. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's, it's like such a, a marker of disordered eating. And like, I think I went, at one point, a nutritionist, I described that feeling with eating. And she was like, oh, you just like described dieters mentality textbook. And that's, you know, how people think of it is like before they're embarking on a diet, they're going to go all out and have all their. Yes, that was me. Every never going to have mm-hmm. them again. Always. I was like, well, I'm starting over on Monday. So let me go whole hog right now because, you know, everything right. one last time, it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. It really sets you up for just prolonging and, and reinforcing some really uncomfortable behaviors. But, but it's so hard to let go. I get that. And you struggled with it for a long time myself. So Absolutely. And I've found like I tell myself it's not that I can't have it. I just choose not to like I'm choosing not to have that. And then it's, it seems to relieve that elephant of, don't think about an elephant, don't think about an elephant. Yeah. All you do is think about an elephant, which is what happens with dieting a lot of times. Yeah. And I, you know, was a little, when I first decided I wanted to eat vegan, um, I was kind of nervous because I thought, okay, you know, I don't want to fall right back into just knocking out entire food groups, you know, so mm-hmm. that I can like lose weight really fast. And so I was really conscious of that and and a little nervous and the way I did end up dealing with it and I it felt really positive to me was to say you know what yeah if I really want something I can have it but do I really want it and a lot of times when I actually take a minute and ask I really don't um and and that felt really a lot better that's awesome Um, that's really helpful yeah. yeah and I think you know it's good for um I don't know if anybody who is listening might have struggled with an eating disorder or may currently be struggling with one, but I do think that um, anytime we're looking at our, our diet, it can be helpful to have some inner reflection about why you're doing it. Does it is this adding to your quality of life? And if it is, how? And, um, you know, I, because I know we talk a lot about on the forums about like making rules. Mm-hmm. And they're them being so helpful because it kind of takes the decision away from you. You don't have to right. worry about it. And when I was most entrenched in my eating disorder, I had so many rules and they were very negative and they were really taking away because they were, they were absurd and they were irrational and they were designed to, to tell me that I have some modicum of control over parts of life that I don't. And so now when I, when I use the rules, um, I still find, I find the rules that I make now really helpful because they're adding to my life. And that's a good point. Like their rules, like, you know, I 
um, like my March Madness, my first one is like, I don't eat candy. (laughs) 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 Like I'm not suffering. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's Um, an important point. I love that you pointed that out, that it's, it's good to have rules. And the reason we like rules is because they bypass willpower. You don't make it, you don't have to make a decision. You don't have to dig deep and find strength. It's just like, you know where you stand, you cross or you don't. Um, so rules are very helpful, but like you said, it can be negative. You can have way too many rules or you can have way too many rules that aren't pushing you in a positive direction. So it's important that when we pick rules that they're, they push us to be a better version of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And I don't eat candy is a good one. It's one of mine as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, after Easter candy started coming out, I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I am one of my current rules is I don't eat standing up and it is so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. Yeah. I would find that really hard too. I, I probably actually eat a lot of times like standing and walking around. Yep. That's me walking around. Yeah. Um, or even sometimes I notice I'll like start shoveling my dinner into my mouth as I'm walking to the dinner table. I'm like, you can (laughs) wait 10 seconds. (laughs) Really? You can sit down and eat like a lady. Let's do that today. Lindsay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's work on that. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good rule. I tried for a while, um, not tried, like I did it for a while and then I kind of didn't need to anymore. I was spending so much time in my car and on long car rides and I was kind of stacking to like pass the time and make my ride a little more bearable. So I did no more eating in the car and, and that was good. Realistically, I was like, I can, you know, in an hour and a half eat dinner or I can, you know, eat an apple before I before I get to the car and then wait a little bit. And that goes back to the emotional eating is like, I noticed that sometimes I would surprise feel hungry for my lunch at 11 <laughs> in the morning. I was like, I'm not really, I had a perfectly good big breakfast. I just don't yeah. want to do my work. So I'm saying I'm hungry. So I have an excuse to go eat one. Cause yeah. I love to eat and I want to eat and I'm no reader, but mostly so I could just prolong doing this work to pass the time. No, yeah. I'm going to sit here and be hungry and finish my work. Yeah. <laughs> Because lunch will yeah, wait. It's fine. I can it. be hungry for 10 minutes if that's what's going on. Or an hour. Yeah, uh, I've definitely done that before. And it's it's funny because it really like, you know, we're like, oh, everybody has to eat. So choosing to put something off because you're eating seems like totally excusable. And right. <laughs> it's like the best justification ever. Yes. I actually at one point found myself um, doing something kind of similar where I was trying to save money. And so in my head, I was like, obviously, I can't justify going and buying shoes and clothes and that kind of stuff. What I ended up doing was grocery shopping a lot more. And I was buying all these this food that I don't need. And I had like, it was like around the time where I was like, I have way too much food in the house. Mm-hmm. And it was totally because I was kind of looking for that, I guess, I guess like fun of shopping. And so like the retail therapy. You know, yeah. And so, you know, but buying groceries was, I could kind of sneak it in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can get that endorphin hit of buying because you're like, oh, I need food. Yeah. (laughs) That's really, I don't know. I wonder if I do that. I'm going to have to think about that now. (laughs) So let's circle back to what brought us together and talk a little bit about the forum thread. The, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think I posted, I think it was, I said eating disorder triumphs. Is that the one you're, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I was like, is this a question? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like, I think... Yeah, because I had posted because I was really excited because 
I just kind of noticed that throughout the day I had kind of, I was eating sort of like off my normal schedule and just kind of like, Oh, I'm hungry. I'll have, I feel like a potato. I'm hungry a little later. I'll have some rice. And I really kind of just did it. It felt like true nourishment. Like, Mm -hmm. like I just ate because I was hungry and, um, I wasn't negotiating with myself that, well, you know, you need to eat a cup of raw vegetables first, or, you know, you shouldn't eat that. You can have like pickles because they're low calorie, um, or like sip some water until, you know, this certain time of day or something. So that was a really, a really exciting day. And I think I've had those days before, but I, today it was just, or not today, but the day that I posted that, it felt very noticeable to me that that was what I was doing. And I was really happy about it. And one thing I remember reading, um, and it, everyone should search for this forum post if it's become buried, eating disorder triumphs. But I really mm-hmm. loved reading everyone's responses. But one thing is so many people were like, I understand what eating normally is, but that's never going to happen for me. And so I have to create a system that works. Yes. Yeah. And I do know people that have had eating disorders and now they feel like their eating is totally normal. I think in some ways, people who go through eating disorders and then recovery programs might actually stand a chance to be less eating disordered than people who haven't, who might just kind of fly under the radar and not really know that they have anything going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I the having like the meal plans is really helpful because there's that automatic guide for this is going to at least, if not exceed, meet, you know, the minimum criteria for keeping you healthy and, you know, sustaining you. So that's something that I've fallen back on quite a bit since I started, like, subscribing to the meal plans. And I know you had said in the thread, but, and also on this podcast, that when you first left your your original treatment, they had a, a, basically a meal plan for you, but it was kind of structured based on the food pyramid. And, you know, you now eat things like rice and potatoes at the same time. And previously that would have been like unheard of. And so in a yes. lot of ways, even though it's still structured, you're a lot more flexible and, and kind of intuitive. Yes. Isn't that funny? Um, I think I remember even being younger and feeling kind of like, um, eating things like meat or like cheese heavy food just didn't sit right in my stomach. And it wasn't really until I started exploring the plant-based eating that I realized like, oh, maybe that's because it's really not the best food for my Mm -hmm. body. And it kind of, you know, for a long time, um, once I had done the, the treatment program, you know, they, you have, you plan like a certain amount of carbs and protein, per and fat per, per meal. And I was kind of, I was tolerating it. Um, but I, but I can't say that it felt great. And, um, and it definitely did keep me in, you know, okay, like this is what my plate looks like. Here's my protein. Here's my carbs. Here's my fat. Here's my vegetable or fruit. And yeah, now, um, I kind of, you know, if in the middle of the day I'm hungry and I eat a potato, which before that would have been a totally weird right, snack, right, yeah. <laughs> um, then yeah, I'm totally fine with it. And it feels great too, is, is the other point. Like, I don't feel like, oh, okay, time for afternoon snack. It's, I am actually enjoying it and, and feeling like it's giving me more energy and feeling good, like physically in my system. 
I wanted to read something that you had written because I, I know it meant a lot to me and everyone else really loved it too. Is you, it, it's sort of what you've been saying right all along in this mm. episode is, it occurred to me today that something quite amazing has happened and I am only just noticing it. Today I ate potato, rice noodles, rice cake, and tofu. Even when I was considered recovered as an omnivore, eating three different types of starchy foods in one day would have been <laughs> unheard of. The idea would have sent me into a panic. But now I was just hungry and so I ate. I ate nourishing whole foods because they were healthful and satiating and my body needed food. I didn't make myself eat a ton of raw vegetables first or apply any other condition to eating. If anyone reading this has or has had had an eating disorder, you know that this can feel pretty unreal. If you have an eating disorder, you might even think it isn't possible for you, so I'm sharing because I'm pretty amazed at myself. I never thought it was possible for me either, and yet here I am. And I just, I appreciated your honesty so much, and I thought it was so beautiful, and of course there were so many likes and positive reactions to it, but I thought maybe you could expand upon that for people who maybe think they might have an eating disorder, or they do, and they feel like they'll never have the kind of control you, you do. Like, yeah, what can they do, or what can they, do you have any tips for them, or maybe some insight? Um, oh my gosh, um, let's see, there's, you know, I'm almost a little hesitant, it's, I think recovery can be very different for different people, mm -hmm. and so definitely a big part of it that I, that I'll say for sure is that if you think that this is something that's going on for you, um, it, it really is important to find a therapist or a counselor who you have a good connection with so that you can talk to them about it because, you know, these things are, are not as I think it's, it's fairly common knowledge now, um, but maybe not, are not really just about food and weight loss, but they go much deeper mm -hmm. and spill into other areas of our lives. So, so definitely, you know, it's worthwhile to put yourself first in that regard and find somebody to talk to. I also um, know of, and I hope it's still running, but there um, was this website um, that I remember using a lot called somethingfishy.org. And I actually, it's been a while since I've been on it. I can't remember if there's, there might be like a hyphen in between something and fishy. But it's an eating disorder resource website and they, you know, will do things like they have like positive affirmations and um, they have like forums for people to discuss recovery um, as well as like tips and how to make like a coping skills toolkit. And that I, was a great resource for me because it's kind of, you get to kind of create like your own, kind of like we do with No Mentor, your mm -hmm. own supportive mm -hmm. online community when you might not have that in your everyday life um, or you may not want people to know what you're going through in your everyday life. Right. Um, so that I think definitely checking out online resources like that and finding somebody to talk to as far as like. Oh, and I did just do a quick Google. It is something dash fishy. There's a, a hyphen. Something um, dash dot org, fishy. Okay. Right. And it is. It, okay. I'm looking at it right now. It's, an, it's a treasure trove of information. Okay. Oh, good. I'm so glad it's up because I know it's not, at least when I looked at it, um, this was like several years ago, probably the last time I really went on it. Um, I remember it being a pretty basic website and I, I yeah, always wonder. Yeah, it it's still kinda... pretty basic, but I mean, there's still a lot of information. Sometimes you don't need fancy. You just need, you know, the clip. Yeah. Notes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
Uh, also, another, if it's okay to like give out like tips for like online resources. Yeah, totally. There's um, a food blogger who is vegan. She's not like oil free, um, but she is, her name is Gina Hamshaw and her website, I believe is now called. Oh, the I Full actually know Health her. We, we used to live near each other in New York. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. That's yeah, so funny. That's funny. <laughs> But she, um, her name is Jenna. I know it's spelled Jenna. funny, but it's Jenna. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's okay. been very open about her uh, eating disorders too. Yeah, she has. And she um, she has like some, some really beautiful um, blog posts, beautifully written blog posts and um, kind of guest blog posts about people who have recovered from eating disorders. And um, I have read many of those when, you know, I needed to feel like other people are going through this. Yeah, when you're not um, alone, that's, it's important. Yeah. And yeah. there can sometimes be, depending on where you live, there are things like Overeaters Anonymous and other things too, or even just meetups where people are getting together just to talk about it. And mm-hmm. uh, I know it's it's been helpful for me to talk to other people about overeating and you know why why do I just can keep going like why do I just keep going like where is this fullness that people talk about I've never found yeah because my stomach has three settings I'm hungry I've eaten and I can definitely (laughs) eat more oh dear god how much food did I eat I can't move (laughs) that's all I got (laughs) yeah and talking about it whether you do that in person or online or to somebody you know or to somebody who's a therapist is so important because there's so much, I think with every eating disorder, there's so much shame and there's isolation. And so I think eating disorders really thrive in like those dark, murky areas. And so just kind of connecting with somebody else, even just, you know, through the the meal mentor forums, I, I think just kind of brings in a little light and sort of chips away at that a little bit. And it's really good. I popped onto, like I mentioned, this something fishy, and uh, there's these bullet points that I just really love and I, I want to read, and I, I think you'll really love them too, is it says, eating disorders are about trying to make your whole life better through food and eating or lack thereof. And that was something I always thought, like I thought, oh my gosh, if I just lost the weight and I was skinny, all my problems would be solved. Like things would be just so great, yeah, but then I lost right. the weight and my problems were still there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just skinnier. Yeah. That reminds me of, I think there's like, maybe it was Jack Kerouac. It was like one of the like famous like beat generation writers um, said something um, about like, no matter where you go, there you are. Right. I, yeah. I hope I'm attributing that to the right person, but that always felt really powerful to me. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You're always there. Yeah. You're always you. Like, that's why I always am amused and people are like, well, I'm starting over. I'm like, but you're still in the equation. You're still you. So is it really a fresh start? Because you're still you. Right. I don't know. But that's how I always feel. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely things you can change. and You can, you know, adapt and evolve and, you know, become a better person. But I'm like, but you're still always you when you start over. You still have to yeah. face that. You have to face your own inner stuff. And but yeah, anyway, so it compares, you know, versus a dieting is just, you know, is about losing a little bit of weight in a healthy way. It's not about like, oh, I'm going to change my whole world. Um, eating disorders are about seeking approval and acceptance from everyone through negative attention, where, you know, dieting is about, again, losing a little weight and doing it healthfully. Eating disorders are about how life won't be good until a bit or a lot of weight is lost, which is what I was going through. 
Um, yeah. And there's no concern for what kind of damage you do to yourself because you'll do anything to get there versus, again, dieting is about <laughs> losing weight in a healthy way. And you don't think right. it's going to solve your problems except the fact that, you know, maybe it will help with an illness or you won't be obese anymore, etc. So it's really, I mean, it's such a fine line, but once you start reading it, you really kind of understand. And I, I agree, like find someone to talk to and try multiple therapists too, because the first one yeah. might not <laughs> sync with you. I, I went through many different doctors before I found someone who I thought got it. And, you know, why are you nourishing yourself? Like why are you, in the case of an overeater, like why, where are you eating? What kind of nourishment are you trying to give yourself? You know, what's, yeah. what, what aren't you, what emotional nourishment are you not getting? Um, yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. And definitely agree with if the first one doesn't feel like a good fit, move on, get yourself somebody who does because they are out there. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of um, community therapy things that are free at community centers too. If you, you know, your medical insurance isn't covered or you can't afford it, there's always an option somewhere to check out. So it's definitely great. And so uh, I'm, I'm so glad we got to talk about this, but you're not alone. And anything that you think is crazy or weird, I promise a million other people are doing it too. And they think that they're weird and alone and you're not. No one is. Um, and <laughs> The last topic I wanted to talk to you about is, and I'm probably going to say it wrong, but um, Hashimoto, is that right? Hashimoto. Hashimoto. I actually get a lot of emails about this. So maybe you could just talk about what it is and like how you're treating it and give us the Wikipedia account. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, Hashimoto is a form of hypothyroidism where your thyroid is not, is is sluggish um, is usually the way it's described. And I think the distinction is um, between some forms of hypothyroidism could be because maybe you've had like part of your thyroid removed or something like that, or perhaps like you've had thyroid cancer. Okay. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune problem. And that, so it's your thyroid gland is being attacked. (laughs) Right. Because your body is confused. (laughs) And so... The way that I am treating it is, for one, I'm taking, I think I'm on the lowest dose, actually, I would say a low dose, but I think it's the lowest of Synthroid or Levothyroxone, if I'm pronouncing that right. And so that's um, a synthetic hormone replacement for your thyroid. And um, that has helped significantly. And then the plant-based eating and especially leaving out oil is also has been a huge help thing I'm experimenting with right now, which was suggested to me by my, my doctor who's awesome is gluten free. Oh, and yeah. And I, I have my doubts. I'm skeptical because I feel like gluten free eating has become such a thing. But everyone recommends, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I'll try it because maybe it's become a thing for a reason. I don't know. (laughs) Right. So those are the things that I'm doing at this point. And I think, you know, the biggest thing was getting on the thyroid replacement drug that totally changed. At one point, I was so, so extremely fatigued. I was sleeping so much and I felt just so out of it. And I was getting this like really weird, like tingling and numbness in my hands and feet and feeling like my arms were falling asleep. Which and that went away once I started the synthroid, so that was huge. And then uh, my doctor has told me that the the best things for Hashimoto's also are the best things for just everyday health. So eating um, a plant based diet, 
and getting like foods with probiotics and, you know, gentle exercise, um, things like that. That's good to hear. And also, I just remembered there have been two Herbies of the Week on Happy Herbivore. One is a little girl named Lucy and another is a woman named Janine. And they both have had this too. And they share their experience if someone wants to learn more or hear another perspective. But their stories are pretty much the same as yours, that things like oil, which, you know, we're all trying to avoid for health anyways, but they really make a difference in sort of the way they feel and their symptoms and how it's going on. So it, it, it is amazing how just the littlest tweak can make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, some, uh, something that I noticed is that since I started having these problems, when I get my period, my symptoms would like flare up again. Oh. And I would have these like strange pains and just feel it felt like just like way worse PMS. And it was crazy. <laughs> um, and really sticking to the plant-based eating, it really helps that too. And it's been so much better. And one thing I appreciate you saying, too, is that, you know, you are taking something. And a lot of times we hear, especially in the plant-based movement, oh, you know, plants is a cure-all. But I don't believe that. And I believe that there are times where we need to use medicine to, you know, get better or even ongoing because of something. And so I'm really glad that you're sharing that because I think a lot of people feel, oh, I can't ever take medicine. But sometimes that's just that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. It almost goes back to that attitude of like of morality where it's like this this should be on such a high pedestal that it can cure all, but you know, maybe we're doing so much better than we would without plant based eating. Right. But we still need a little something else. So Absolutely. And um so and don't ever be afraid or, you know, if that is an option, sometimes it's great. If you can do it with diet, that's cool. But my sister, I love her. She's an amazing person. She's just I mm. I just love my sister so much. She's tried everything. Like she was determined to cure her anemia with food. I, I mean, she went above and beyond. I would have given up like way before <laughs> she did, but she she tried it all. She even at one point before she was vegan, she tried eating like absurd amounts of meats and like organ meats that even as an omnivore, I wouldn't have touched. Like she did it all, nothing got better. Then she's like, well, I'm gonna you know be vegan for other reasons. She goes and she's like, I'm gonna try spinach. She was, I, she was like pounding spinach. She was just, I mean, she's awesome. She tried it all and the anemia persisted. So she's on iron supplements and we just accept it. (laughs) That's For some reason, your your thyroid apparently is a little slow. Apparently my sister's body just refuses to make iron (laughs) or accept iron. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I just kind of, and at first I really was nervous to take it because I did kind of think like, oh, what am I putting in my body? And, mm-hmm. but my symptoms were so bad that I thought, okay, it's got to be better than, than living like this, which is not really feeling like living. Um, I want to feel healthy again. Um, I also, you know, at first when I was going through that, I tried a lot of stuff nutritionally because I kind of blamed myself that I was looking for what I was doing wrong. Okay. And I don't think that the consensus among doctors seems to be that you're not, they don't entirely know why this happens. Um, women over 30s appear to be particularly prone to having thyroid problems. And so, you know, they don't entirely know what's going on, but it doesn't seem like it's something like, oh, you're not getting enough of this or you're, you know, you're doing not doing this enough. 
it might just be one of those things that we haven't figured out yet, or maybe something that our body does for in some people for some reason that made sense at one point along the evolutionary road. Right. Well, I mean, there's, and I think it's, there's just so many variables with women because, I mean, our bodies are always changing. You know, some of us give birth and have children. Some of us never do. I mean, it's just such a change that there's so much we just don't know. And I think it is yeah. instinctual to want to blame yourself. Like, oh, I just didn't do something right or I need to change something. But it's sometimes we could have been perfect and it's going to happen anyway because of yeah. our particular DNA or because all the stars lined up to equal that. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice to, you know, it's nice that we have certain amount of control over our health and that we, there is so much that we can change with food. And that's really, you know, I mean, I think anybody who's looked at the Neometra forums or the Facebook page or just the Happy Her Before page, you know, has seen like so many people have healed different things and made such Mm -hmm. positive changes because of their diet. And that is so awesome. And it can also be true that it isn't going to fix everything. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that, that we're not doing everything we possibly can within reason. Right. And I hope that's what anyone who's listening takes away from this is that it doesn't necessarily mean a cure all. And you can read about all these stories and it's incredible about all these people who, you know, go off their medications or reverse illnesses or beat cancer because they went plant-based, but human things still happen to humans. Even if you're perfect, you know, it still happens. So don't let it be defeating. Um, do what you do what you need to do to get better and feel better and explore your options. But um, yeah. yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, it's not. I wish it was. Yeah, my parents said that to me before they went plant based. Like, well, if we go plant based, can you one hundred percent guarantee that your father won't have another heart attack and we won't get cancer? And I'm like, well, no, I can't one hundred percent guarantee it. But what I can tell you is, you're putting yourself in the best possible position for that not to happen. You're giving yourself the best chance, but I can't make right. you that guarantee, guys. And they were kind of like mad and like, really? And I was like, well, no, I can't. I mean, <laughs> one need only look at babies that get cancer. What, what could they possibly have done wrong? It's right. Just like, oh I mean, gosh, it's heartbreaking, right. but yeah. I mean, we're humans. Yeah, absolutely. I was just um, at my, at work with my students, we were looking at some health information and we have like this online curriculum that we're using right now and talking about like, you know, making the best choices possible. And it did even at that level was saying, you know, sometimes people might, you know, have a chemical imbalance that leads to depression. And it doesn't right. mean that, you know, there's anything that they're doing that's wrong. That's just something that, you know, that's a way that they need to look at how they're going to alter their lives to, to live a happier life. Well, that was me. I mean, I was depressed. I was plant-based and I was depressed. I was huge. I was successful. I, I, my books were selling great. They were bestsellers. I had all these wonderful supportive people in my life. Mm. I, you know, for all intents and purposes, you would look at me and be like, she should be on top of the world. She should be super happy. I was depressed. And, um, that was, I mean, I had to work through it and it's, it was awful in a lot of ways because I'd be like, look at this. I have all these great things in my life. Why am I so upset yeah. and crying on the floor? I shouldn't be like, snap out of it. <laughs> you don't have a reason to be depressed, but I was. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, yeah, it's it's so strange how that can happen. And, you know, and I think in general, I think plant-based eating um, for mental health is probably 
your best bet. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I think it would have been a lot you know? worse had I not been plant-based for sure. Yeah. And, um, in fact, and I often, I talk about this with my, my coworker who we, uh, we have a dream of like opening up our own school and, you know, doing everything just the way we want it. And we're like, and we would serve them the best food and we would like have them have such healthy, like, you know, not like school cafeteria lunch, right. uh, <laughs> because it is such a factor in your overall health and not just your physical well-being. But it's not, it's not a cure-all. It's not. And neither is having, you know, great accomplishments doesn't necessarily mean that you won't feel down or that you won't have a bout of depression or anxiety. Right. And it could be, like you said, it could even be chemical. You never know. And I think that's yeah. true because I know when I eat crappy foods, I feel crappy and then I, I beat myself up and then I have a crappy attitude. And so then it's more crappy. It's like crap, 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 crap. So yes. but when I eat yeah. healthy, it, it spawns me to feel better about myself and then I make another good choice. And so that circle, that snowball, man, it goes in every direction. Yes, it really does. It's yeah. I've noticed that too. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited for that March madness thing, because I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, my first week I'm going to do no candy, but I also kind of automatically just was like, oh, like I should drink more water. Right. <laughs> um, it just, it just seems easier to do things, even if you're only focused on, on changing one thing. Right. I mean, if we all just do one thing all through the whole March Madness challenge, we all win. Yeah, absolutely. Even if we don't do it perfectly, even if it's not a perfect execution, man, if you only drink all the water you need one day, you've won. (laughs) If that already happened to you, good job. Pack up, go home. No, don't go home. But (laughs) you can at least know that you are already successful. Yeah, progress over perfection. Yes, progress, not perfection. And also, too, and we this has kind of been the theme this whole episode, is ability trumps motivation. You know, you've got to make it possible, too. Yes. You got to know yourself and work with yourself and be super honest with yourself. I know I need to always be honest with myself. Check in with yourself. I think I talked on a previous podcast. I have so many conversations with myself. Lindsay, you're not really hungry. You're bored. (laughs) 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 They're all in my mind, but they have been. But anyway, yes, Jill, it has been so awesome having you on. And thank you for being so honest and transparent and open about your own eating disorder, especially in the forums. I know so many people really felt helped by you sharing and then they shared. And so then more people were being honest and then more people got helped. It really is. Again, the snowball goes in every way. Yeah. Yeah. I loved seeing everybody's responses. It was awesome. So please share. Always feel free to talk because I'm, I, you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. Get the help that you need. Don't be embarrassed. There's no shame. No, no shame in anything. We all go through things and it's important to know that you We'll have the support that you need. And if you want to learn more about the meal plans or our community, visit getmealplans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. A big thanks again to Joe, my co-pilot this episode. I'm really glad we got to talk about this topic and I hope it will inspire people to be more honest. So with that, uh, thanks for listening. Come back again next week for our next episode. And again, thank you, Jill, so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye.